Hey, good morning, Faith family. I want to say hello to those gathered in Lakeville and our venue as well. Invite all of you, if you would, to turn to the book of Galatians. Turn to the book of Galatians. We start this morning uh, a series that's going to take us at least through the fall, uh, and we're going to be talking about the issue of freedom and how we can be set free. And I, I really believe, and I always get excited about any new series, and I get that, but I really believe what we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks could be a very monumental moment for us. Uh, Tim Keller even says uh, in his commentary on Galatians that the book of Galatians is like a stick of dynamite that can explode in your life and set you free. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. And I'm really excited about what God's going to do in my life, what God's going to do in your life, what he's going to do in this church as we think about the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. This morning, I just want to do an introduction to this book, uh, so I'm just going to lay a foundation that then we will build off of uh, in the weeks to come. So let's look at Galatians chapter 1 and just the first uh, five verses, the introduction uh, to the book. And I'm going to invite you, if you're able, in all of our locations to please stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. Uh, Paul writes these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. These words come to us with the very authority of God. He says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'd ask you to pray with me now. Uh, Lord, we um, are grateful that you've given us your word, and we recognize its authority and its power. And when your spirit takes your word and brings it into our life, it is like dynamite. It explodes the way we think, the way we live, and it really does set us free. So I pray that beginning this morning and the weeks ahead, Lord, that you would bless this series and that you would do a supernatural work in us. And we ask this all to the glory of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. By age five, she had captured the world's attention for her ability uh, to learn sign language. In fact, her ability was so amazing that she actually sparked a major debate as to whether or not non-human primates could actually communicate. Uh, I'm referring to Washoe. Washoe was the first chimpanzee to learn American Sign Language. In fact, they say that before Washoe died, she learned like 350 different signs. Uh, but those that worked closely with her still had some lingering questions, certainly early on. Questions like, did she actually know what she was doing? Was she just imitating what she saw? Could she actually conceptualize her communication, and one day, she did. Now, before I tell you what she said, you need to understand that at least for a chimpanzee, Washoe lived a pretty uh, pampered life. 
Uh, she had people that took care of her. She was well-fed. She got plenty of exercise. She was kept in a safe environment, which is what made her first words all the more significant. You see, one day, Washoe's handlers took her back and put her in her cage. And for the very first time, she spoke on her own, not verbally, but through sign language. She looked back at them, and she signed three words. Let me out. You see, it didn't matter that she was kept in a secure place. It didn't matter the environment that she was in. It didn't matter how pampered of a life she had. Washoe didn't want to live in a cage. And when I read that, I thought, that is so true, not just for chimpanzees, of course, but for all of us. Isn't at the core of your very life this desire to want to be free? Isn't that a desire for all of us that we want freedom? We want to be let out. And this desire is a powerful desire, isn't it? Countries are based on it. Wars are fought over it. Movies are written about it. Teenagers say they can't wait till they get it. Retirees count down the days until it. People who are able to get out of all their debt scream about it. Indeed, even entire movements are based on it. When we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. It is, as Robert Greene so famously wrote, what light is to the eyes, what air is to the lungs, liberty is to the soul. I may not know everything there is to know about you, but I know this about you. Deep down, you want, like Washoe, to be let out. You want, and I want, to be free. Faith family, that is exactly what the book of Galatians is all about. Let me just give you a snapshot of how this is the theme of the book. And and when I read these verses, every time we get to the word free or freedom, I want you to say it aloud, right? Listen to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 4. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our that we have in Christ Jesus so that they may bring us into slavery. And then you look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. It's for that Christ has set us. Stand therefore and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. For you were called to only do not use your 
as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Galatians is a book about freedom. Except it's about the ultimate freedom. It's about true freedom. It's about freedom in Jesus Christ. I want you to understand this morning, I don't care if you live in America. I don't care if you moved out of your parents' basement. I don't care if you've paid off your mortgage. You are not free until Jesus has set you free. Because we're talking about the ultimate freedom. We're talking about the freedom that's above all other freedoms. It's not national. It's not financial. It is the ultimate freedom our heart longs for. It's freedom found in Jesus. And that's exactly how Paul starts this book. Look back at the introduction at the first few verses of the book. And notice Paul gets straight to the point. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle, uh, not from men nor from man. In other words, uh, no man gave me this right. I didn't go to apostle school. I'm an apostle because of Jesus and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches, plural, So many churches, multiple churches in Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now underline verse 4, who gave himself for our sins to what? Deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Paul wastes no time getting to the point of this letter. He doesn't stop and talk about grandchildren. He doesn't say, you'll never believe where Timothy went on vacation this summer. Uh, He doesn't say, hey, who'd you draft in your fantasy football league? There's no long introduction. There's no small talk. He gets right to the point, and the point is this. Christians are a delivered people. We've been set free. We've been rescued by Christ. Now, that language is very important, that language of rescue, that language of of deliverance, because here's what it means. It shows us our condition apart from Jesus Christ. You see, I don't care what your mama told you, and I don't care what your high school guidance counselor told you. We are not good people that occasionally do bad things. We are enslaved to sin and need a Savior. That's what the Bible says. Let me prove that for you. For instance, in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin... Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 says, You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit at work and the sons of disobedience. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 26. Now this is spoken about unbelievers. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Let me give you one more uh, from the mouth of Jesus. This is John chapter 8. John 8 verse 31. Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you're my true disciples. You are truly my disciples and you will know the truth. And the truth will what? Set you free. Now they answered him. Now listen to this. We are offspring of Abraham. That is, we are Jews. We've never been enslaved to anyone. Have you ever heard of Egypt? <laughs> do, you, uh, do you know your Old Testament? Do the names Babylon and Assyria ring a bell? I mean, that's like 
We in Minnesota saying, um, uh, we're from Minnesota. We've never seen snow. Like it never gets below 80 degrees here. You'd be like, do you even know where you're from? Like that's, that's crazy. But, but here's the thing. You can be so enslaved that you don't even know it. You can be so ingrained in slavery. You don't even recognize your slavery. Jesus then goes on to say, verse 34, he answered, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin, that's an unrepentant lifestyle of sin, is a what? Slave to sin. Do you, do you understand? Like, even if you're new here, you're just trying to check out Christianity. You have to at least understand this. I'm not making this up. I'm trying to tell you what the Bible tells us, and it is not that we are good people that occasionally mess up. We are enslaved apart from Jesus, which means you don't need an instruction manual to tell you how to live better. You need a savior. You need to be delivered. I need to be rescued. And the good news of the gospel, the good news that starts this book off is that's what Jesus came to do. He came to rescue. He came to deliver. In fact, notice four key components of the gospel just in these five verses. I'll show them to you quickly. Now, remember, this is foundational. This is the foundation from which we will build on in future weeks. We have to be clear about the gospel. Number one is the incarnation. In verse three, Jesus is referred to as Lord, and he is directly connected with God the Father, which is Paul's way, albeit brief, of making a statement of Christ's divinity. He is Lord. Jesus is God and Jesus is man, which makes him the perfect sacrifice to reconcile God and man. Secondly, redemption. In verse 4, it says that Jesus offered himself up. First Timothy talks about he gave himself as a ransom. Hebrews 7 talks about that he offered himself up once and for all. Jesus offered himself up to set us free, to deliver us from the present evil age. Thirdly, this is sealed by the resurrection. Notice in verse 1, it says that uh, um, through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. The seal, the guarantee of this deliverance, of this rescue is uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, here, I love this. This is what your view looks like from your prison cell of sin once you accept Jesus. All right, amen? Anybody get fired up about that? Because Jesus rolled the stone away, the prison door of which we were enslaved in is now wide open. We can be delivered, rescued, free. The last one is reconciliation. In verse 3, Paul says, grace and peace to you in Christ, in God. That is because Jesus came, because he offered himself up to deliver us, because that's been sealed through the resurrection, now you can experience what? Not slavery, but grace. Not slavery, but peace. Not slavery, but freedom. That's at the heart of the gospel. Anybody like really excited about that this morning? And you don't have to clap or anything like that, but just right there where you are, Lakeville venue, like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that Christians are a delivered people, that we have been given true freedom. Now, I need to ask you a few questions, okay? Question number one, uh, who came to earth, right? You can talk out loud, Lakeville venue as well. Who came to earth? Please get this one right, or you kind of, 
<laughs> like, fail the gospel test, all right? So who came to earth? Jesus did, right? Who did the work of offering himself as a sacrifice? You're catching on. Uh, who walked out of the grave? And who reconciles God and man? In other words, in none of those answers did I hear you say, me. Now, this is really important. It is really, really important because it's going to be central to the book of Galatians. Do you, and Paul's going to talk about this multiple, multiple times. Salvation, listen, salvation is entirely the work of Jesus. He, he did it all. Like, we talk about here that the gospel is not due, it's done. Like, it's done in Jesus. He did all the work. Now, here's what's so important about that. Notice it on the screen. Freedom, then, is not achieved. Freedom is received. That's huge. You can't do anything to get yourself out. You can't do anything to deliver you from your condition. All you can do is receive what Christ has done. Amen? It's not your work. It's not my work. It's just, a, it's just faith. It's just saying, I believe. I receive what he achieved. The gospel is not what you do for God. It is what God has done for you in Christ. Now, that's the beginning of true freedom. That is the beginning of true freedom, as we're going to see throughout this book. Um, there's an expression that we use in the South uh, that goes like this. If you see a turtle on a fence post, you can rest assured of this. He didn't get there by himself. <laughs> now, that is Southern wisdom right there, all right? And here's what I want to say. If you see somebody who's truly free, I mean truly free, you can rest assured of this. Jesus set them free. They didn't get free on their own. Because salvation is not the work of man. It is the work of God. We receive what He Achieved. It is why, verse 5, look at it, to him be the glory forever and ever. It's why God gets all the glory for salvation. All glory, all praise goes to him for what he has done in our life. So let's be very clear this morning. We're laying a foundation. You ready? Here is clarity. Salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus alone. Now, here's why that's so important, and this is going to be big through the rest of the book. It means that if you add anything to it, or if you take anything away from it, you don't have the gospel anymore, and you're back into slavery. If you add anything to it, if you take anything from it, you don't have the gospel anymore, and you're back into slavery. Watch what this ha how this happens in the book of Galatians. I'm going to show you two groups or two threats to true freedom that's found here in the book. Uh, but look, first of all, in verse 6, where you start to see what's going on with these Galatian churches. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Have you ever been astonished at something before? You know, ever had one of those looks like, I can't believe what I'm seeing. 
I can't believe what I just heard. I can't believe what's going on. Like that just, it's hard to wrap my mind around. Now, now that, that is, that's the feeling of verse six in, in a negative way. Like Paul is like, what are you, what are you doing? What? Why would you who've been set free go back to slavery? Why wouldn't you who know the true gospel go to a different gospel? Why would you drift from this? It's because the drift is so easy. It's so easy. And it's why we're laying the foundation of the true gospel, which is true freedom, so that the rest of these weeks we can come back and say, how does that lead me to freedom? And I want to expose this morning two threats, two major threats in the book of Galatians and in our life as well, to the true freedom that's found in Jesus. Threat number one is legalism. Legalism. Legalism is simply this. It's adding to Jesus. It's it's saying, okay, Jesus is great and all, but we need to add something to it. And here's why I think this happens. Um, Man, when I sit up here and I'm preaching and I'm talking about free grace and I'm talking about just it's receiving all that he achieved and and it's by, by grace alone, there is something within us, Lakeville Venue, particularly as Americans, that says that's too good to be true. Like, that's it? Just receive it and like really believe it? No, come on. I got to contribute in some way. I, 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 don't, I don't know that I can wrap my mind around a system that I don't do something. I, I got I to gotta be a part of the achievement that is so core to who we are. Our default position often is legalism, that is adding something to Jesus. Now, let me show you how this is happening with Galatians, and then I'll bring it into our world. Paul addresses this in the Galatian churches in chapter 2, verse 16. Chapter 2, verse 16, watch what he says. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works, that is what you do, the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ, receiving what he achieved. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, not by what you do. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Could Paul be any more clear? You don't add anything. It is faith, faith, faith. It's receiving what's been achieved. You don't add anything to that because when you do, you don't have the gospel. And if you don't have the gospel, you don't have true freedom. You're back into slavery. Now, what was going on for the Galatians, if you want more background, by the way, just go read Acts 15. You've probably, if you've been around church a little bit, you've heard this uh, term, the Judaizers. Uh, these were people who said they were, they were Jews, um, and, and many Jews were the early converts to Christianity, and they had lived, oh, this will preach, they had lived so long under the slavery of the law, they couldn't contemplate the reality that it would be Jesus and nothing else. It's got to be Jesus and something. So let's take some of the law and add to Jesus, like, I don't know, circumcision. It's like, of all things, why circumcision? All right? I mean, you'd think if there was anything you'd be ready to get rid of, it'd be circumcision. Let's have a vote. What do you want to get rid of? I vote circumcision, right? You'd think that'd be the first one you'd get rid of, but that's what they added. You got to have Jesus, and you got to be circumcised. You got to have Jesus, and you got to have the dietary laws. And they kept adding something to. And Paul says that's slavery. 
In fact, if you go back and read Acts 15, I trust that you will, Peter even says, Are you kidding? why would you go back under the yoke that even our forefathers couldn't bear? If your Old Testament proves you anything, it's they couldn't do it. So why would you go back to do instead of done? But I tell you, that's so easy. It wasn't just at the heart of uh, Galatians. It was at the heart of the Reformation. As I've told you, part of what is inspiring this series is this fall is the 500th year of the Protestant Reformation. We are, we're Protestants. And at the core of why the Protestant Reformation even happened was this idea that it's Jesus alone. Roman Catholicism in the days of the Reformation, we could have a debate as to whether or not that's still true today, but they were teaching then that it's Jesus plus the church. Jesus plus the Eucharist or the sacraments. It is yes to Jesus, but then there are all these other things you have to have. And Luther, along with other reformers, said, as gospelly clear as they could, no! In fact, Luther writes this in the preface to his commentary on Galatians, quote, there is no middle ground between Christian righteousness and works righteousness. There's no alternative to Christian righteousness but works righteousness. If you do not build your confidence on the work of Christ, you must build your confidence on your own work. Do you see what he's saying? You can't add anything. The moment you add anything to what he did, you don't have the gospel anymore. You're back into slavery. And I would argue this is still happening today. It's Jesus plus you maintaining your salvation. It's Jesus plus water baptism. It's Jesus plus a second baptism of the Holy Spirit where you speak in tongues. It's Jesus plus morality. That is, if I, if I do X, if I do Y, if I do Z, God will love me more. All of that is slavery. All of that is slavery. Because Paul says true freedom is what he achieved. And all we do is receive. We can achieve it. He achieved it for us. So let's be clear this morning on what true freedom is. You ready? Jot this down. Okay, simple formula. Jesus plus anything is slavery. If Galatians teaches us anything, it's that. But then add this, Jesus plus nothing is freedom. We have to learn to live in the fact that what he did is enough. What he did is enough, and I'm, I'm coming after you for the next several weeks <laughs> to show you, you too, Lakeville and Venue, right? Um, to show you and to show me how what he did and the fact that it is done, how that leads us to true freedom. We got to get over this legalistic mindset. And by the way, I don't think legalists intend, not all of them intend to be deceptive or be like, I want to undercut Jesus. I don't, I don't think that's the intent. Here's what I think at the, at the heart of a lot of legalists, okay? It's this. Um, I'm so used to slavery, I can't imagine anything other than that. I, I'm so used to the law, I can't imagine a system that doesn't include the law. I, I'm so used to church tradition, I can't imagine anything that wouldn't include church tradition. Do you see? It's, I'm so used to Egypt, I can't imagine promised land. 
And so it's just a lot easier to go back to slavery. Think, for instance, the Emancipation Proclamation. When, when it took effect in January of 1863, the slaves in Texas did not know about it until June of 1865. Do, are you tracking with me? In other words, for a year and a half, though they had been set free, they did not live as free because nobody told them the truth. When they heard the truth of their freedom, they celebrated and they rejoiced. But do you know what happened when they finished the celebration? A large percentage of them chose to remain as slaves because it's all they knew. So here's what I'm after us about. Jot this down. This, this is big, and it's central to what we're talking about the next several weeks. It is one thing to celebrate freedom in Christ. It is another thing to live free in Christ. You come in here and say, yes, deliverance. Yes, rescue. Yes, Jesus is Savior. Yes, 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 I believe. But is that impacting your Monday morning? Is that impacting your conversation? Is that impacting how you see yourself in the mirror? I don't want to just talk about freedom. I want to live live in freedom. I want us to move out of this, I believe this, to now I'm experiencing the true freedom that is found in Jesus Christ. That means leaving all your baggage at the door and resting in Him and what He has done alone. One of the biggest threats we're going to see is legalism. Here's threat number two, is liberalism. I'm not talking politics here, okay? Um, or if you want another L, use lawlessness. Liberal, if legalism is adding to, liberalism is subtracting from or, or, or going away from, if you will, uh, what Jesus has done, okay? So let me show you this in Galatians where Paul exposes this group. It's Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. Man, this will preach. For you were called to freedom. Now watch. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, that is sin, but through love serve one another. Lakeville, venue, everybody, if you've zoned out, zone back in, I want you to hear this. Do you realize you can use your freedom from sin to sin? You can use your freedom from sin to sin. Here's how it goes. You're like, help me, help me understand. Here's how it goes. Yes, I'm free in Jesus, which means I can now live however I want. I can eat what I want. I can drink what I want. I can do whatever I want with my body. I can marry whoever I want. I can be whatever gender I want to be. I'm free. I'm free to do whatever I want to do. But brother, sister, faith, family, that's not freedom. Listen, listen, listen. True freedom is not living how you want to live. True freedom is living how God has called you to live. You don't use your freedom to then run into sin. That's running back to slavery. Freedom is living how God has called me to live. If you want an interesting irony, true freedom is being a slave to Jesus. 
And if you need any more proof, go back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve are free. Not free to do whatever they want, because that's not freedom. They were free to obey. But they crossed that line into using their freedom for sin. I'll eat what I want to eat. I'll do what I want to do. And where did they end up? Slavery. And we all went with them. That's huge. Do not take from this that, yeah, man, you harp on those legalists. That's right. We ought to be just free to do whatever. Well, then you don't understand freedom either. Let me show you how Paul repeatedly in the New Testament uh, just blows that idea uh, to pieces. Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin live any longer in it? You say, well, Paul, if you're talking about all this freedom, you're just giving people a license to sin. They can do whatever they want. No. They haven't been set free from sin to sin. They've been set free from sin to be free in Christ, to be obedient to how He's called them to live. Here's another one, 1 Corinthians 9, 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 19. For though I am, say this, free from all. Is Paul free? Yeah. He says, I'm free. I'm free from all. But I've made myself a slave to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law. Though not being myself under the law, I've been freed from that. I'm free from the law that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. That is, that doesn't mean I'm free from being obedient. I'm still under Christ that I might win those outside the law. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you see what Paul is saying? Okay, this means yes, right? <laughs> Paul is saying, I'm free, but, but, but look, I'm not free to myself. I'm free to Jesus. I'm freed from the law, but I'm still under the law of Christ. That is, I am still to be obedient to how he's called me to live. And I tell you how this breaks my heart. And I know, I know this is controversial, but listen, I'm not, a, I'm not running for political office. I'm preaching the gospel, all right? But when you see the conversation we're having in our culture today, it is so many people blowing the trumpet of freedom, not realizing their slavery. And I've mentioned a few things, and I'll mention them again. It is, I'm free to do whatever I want with my body. I'm free to marry whoever I want to marry. I'm free to be whatever gender I want to be. They think that's freedom. I'm telling you, it's not freedom. It's slavery. It's being a slave to self. It's being who you want to be rather than what true freedom is, which is who God has called you to be. Preach, preacher. And by the way, that's not just a lesson for people out there. That's a lesson for us, all of us, that true freedom is found in obedience to Jesus Christ. James Thornwell sums all of this up beautifully. He says this, the gospel like its blessed master, is always crucified between two thieves. Legalist on one hand, and antinomians or lawlessness on the other. The former, the legalist, 
robbing the Savior of the glory of His work for us. The latter, lawlessness, robbing Him of the glory of His work in us. How does Paul start this book? He starts it this way. There is a Savior who has come to deliver us from the present evil age. We are free in Jesus by receiving what He achieved. But be careful. Oh, you need to be careful because there are two enemies crouching out the door. One is legalism. Why don't we add something to that's too good to be true? The other is lawlessness. Awesome. Now we can live how we want. Both of those threats take you right back into slavery. So let's learn what it means to be free. William Holland, who lived in England, closed with this. During the 1700s, he, he, he was a part of a small group um, that included people like Charles Wesley, if you know of any of the hymns that, that Wesley wrote. And they came together on one occasion, and Charles Wesley starts reading the, um, the preface to Martin Luther's commentary on Galatians. And Mr. Holland said there was one line that was like a stick of dynamite that exploded in my life and set me free. Here's what Wesley read of Luther. But this most excellent righteousness, that of faith, which God imputes to us through Christ without works, we do nothing in this matter. We give nothing to God, but simply receive and allow someone else to work in us. And Mr. Holland wrote in his journal the following, When I heard that, there came such a power over me I cannot describe. My burden fell off in an instant. My heart was so filled with peace I burst into tears. I almost thought I saw my Savior. And afterwards, as I went into the street, I could scarcely feel the ground I trod upon. Why? It set him free. It set him free. Faith family, are you in bondage today? Do you need to be delivered today? Have you felt yourself, yes, Christian, even you, slip back into a functional form of slavery. The good news of the gospel is these two words, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. He has the power to get you out. And all God's people said, amen. Pray with me. Father, thank you for just the introduction of this book. Thank you for what we're going to learn over the next several weeks about freedom. And I know that there are people here today that need this word. All of us need this word. What it means to truly be free. We have such a misunderstanding of freedom. True freedom. We have all kinds of counterfeits, but they're not the real thing. Real freedom is found in Jesus. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed.
And a lot of us know that intellectually. We need to experience that practically. And so I just pray that today would be that starting point of freedom. Today we would start to hear the sound of chains falling off as we experience the victory of the cross. And there are some in this place today and they've never experienced the freedom of knowing Jesus, the the peace that passes all understanding of having Christ as Savior. Today I pray that they would receive what He achieved on the cross and that today would be the starting point of being set free. Spirit, do the work that only you can do, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.